Hello, and welcome to Exploring Axon, a podcast where we discuss Axon Framework, Axon Server, and their ecosystem. I am your host and a software developer at Axonic, Sarah Tori. Welcome to the first episode of Season 3. In this episode, I spoke with our founder and CTO, Allard Bowser, about adapting event-driven architecture into businesses. We talked about some of the best practices and also some of the challenges along the way. I hope you enjoy this episode and let's have a listen. Hi, Allard. How are you today? I'm very well. Um, How are you? I'm good. Can you believe it? This is actually the first uh, episode of our third season. It's like time, boggles time flies. my mind. Exactly. Time flies Especially when you have fun. fun. Yeah. Exactly. So I'm really excited to start this season with uh, sort of a, it's not a new topic, but it's something different from what we've talked about in the past. So uh, we have been talking a lot about event-driven architecture and domain-driven design, event sourcing, and all of uh, the wonderfulness that comes with it. And the idea of domain-driven design basically came from paying attention to the business domain, right? We have a business question at hand that we are trying to solve. So these past couple of seasons, we focused a lot on the IT side of things, on the technical part of how to do it and how do you go about it, the design, the architecture and all of that. Today, though, I want to talk to you a little bit about the actual business side of things and why is event-driven architecture, um, domain-driven design, microservices is actually good and beneficial for the business. And how would you um, convince the business side of a company or for that matter, the CEO or the board of directors that, hey, this is a fantastic idea. Let's get on board. Let's train our engineers and architects to go this route. I know you have some experience doing absolutely. that, right? Just There's a tad. Uh, there are some war stories uh, that, uh, that I can share, absolutely. Yeah. I can't wait to hear all about it. So actually, um, a couple of months ago, a few articles were shared with me, uh, a couple of them by Gartner. Actually, you brought them to my attention. And uh, our other colleague, Ben Wilcock, um, had a couple of articles by Forrester that talked about this very topic, and I found them very interesting. So if you don't mind, let's sort of go through them and uh, talk a little bit uh, about what they're talking about into a bit more detail. And I want to talk about it from your experience and your point of view, if that's okay. Yeah, sure. So in one of the articles um, in Gartner, um, they talked about the fact that, um, and this article was actually written in 2017, and they were saying that um, by 2020, which is a year ago now, for most global enterprise CIOs, the um, using the event-driven IT will be one of their three top priorities. And I don't think they foresaw the fact that we were going to get into a horrible global pandemic and things uh, would turn out very differently. But I think all in all, we have come to sort of the same c- conclusion, right? Because I feel that we're seeing uh, this pattern of using event-driven architecture and uh, domain-driven design in general uh, is more noticeable now. Yeah, absolutely. Do you think that it's the case? And why is it the case? Why do you think that uh, they they foresaw this? Actually, you foresaw this about six years before that, didn't you? <laughs> um, 
Yeah, you could argue that. Uh, well, I could I could uh, make a good, uh, beautiful story that you know I saw this happening in 2010, and that's why I started doing that. But that's mm-hmm. not uh, entirely accurate. <laughs> Um, I, I started building Axon uh, Framework at the time because I, I did see some, some technical issues with how we solved uh, uh, application development in general. Right. Um, and I did see event-driven as a very nice programming model. I was interested in this domain-driven design, and I had the feeling that uh, an event-driven model would get me closer to that domain than um, the, uh, the typical state-stored model, which is a very technical approach to a very non-technical problem. Um, so you could say, yeah, it's, uh, it was not foresight that uh, that let me uh, build that. But in, in hindsight, it is the same reasoning uh, that uh, that basically uh, led to uh, to this happening. But I, I actually enjoyed reading those uh, those papers uh, again. So when when a discussion uh, that we had popped up and I shared those uh, those articles. Um, I, I read them again, and it's, it's just good fun to yeah. look back uh, four years. And uh, uh, I remember having discussions with, with actually the, the Gardner Allen list at, uh, at the time about um, you know, what, what I saw happening. And um, the, the reason Axonic is founded in 2017 is also because we saw this happening, right? Uh, event-driven becoming a very important uh, topic on on the agenda, not only of the uh, CEOs of large enterprises, but also smaller uh, smaller companies, and uh, um, there's there's so much more happening in in let's say the event driven landscape than just the technology. Uh, even though uh, us, especially in the beginning, uh, were just focused on on that technology part, uh, but there's uh, there's definitely more uh, more to it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think um, one of the things that they mentioned was that uh, it's necessary to use event driven architecture because. Uh, if you want to modernize your application portfolios and your systems, this is a really good way to go about it. And uh, you just mentioned that not just for large enterprises, but for small and also sometimes um, unusual, if you would, technologies that um, have used event sourcing and event-driven architecture. And actually, one of the things that they had mentioned in the article, one of the case studies was um, a medical um company that yeah. used event sourcing for their imaging. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Because I think you for have their... some uh, insight. Yeah, exactly. It was it, it was fun to read that article because they mentioned my my own, my very first uh, Axon project uh, in, in that particular article. Mm-hmm. And the big challenge they had is that even though they were a startup, uh, it was this, uh, this medical uh, system, they uh, had to integrate with an immense number of external systems. So basically, is an electronic patient record. Um, but um, in, in any uh, hospital or retirement home or, or whatsoever, um, every uh, any environment where care is delivered to patients, there is a large number of systems involved. Uh, there's these um, uh, medication uh, systems that ensure that people get the right medication that does not conflict with other medication uh, uh, there's administrative systems, uh, financial systems, especially when there's, uh, you know, the um, uh, the financial aspects of care uh, is is pretty uh, complex, like who pays what and uh, and and why and um, and the um, so the medical uh, record was primarily focused on the care that was given by the doctors. But when a doctor delivers care, there's a, a financial aspect, so it had to integrate with all these systems. 
but it was built as a software as a service, which means that for every client they onboarded, they had to integrate with, well, third-party software. And and we we have seen at the time the most archaic, obnoxious styles of integration, right? The um, uh, thank God for the uh, the anti-corruption layer by uh, by domain-driven design that makes sure whatever external choices are made, we don't have to abide by them. We'll just build a little component. This system ended up with 65 right. of these components uh, to, to integrate with 65 wow. different uh, systems. None of these interactions, literally none, had any impact on the core system, which is the, the core system that they, uh, they delivered as, as a SaaS. Um, and that is because the event-driven model is very good, is very flexible. Um, and even if you have a, a batch model uh, towards an external party, you can still simulate that a series of events only happens twice a day. Um, and so an application that is built to, to handle things as they happen is, is flexible enough to also interact with any batch-driven uh, application, whereas the other side is definitely not the case. Right? You cannot ask a batch-driven application to handle, instead of one large batch a day, to handle uh, a thousand mini batches per second. Right, that's not gonna uh, going to work. Um, so that was really uh, the, the the power of it. Being event driven um, gives you so much uh, flexibility when integrating with uh, with external systems, um, which also helps the the larger enterprises. Although their problem is usually that we have existing systems we need to renew. But we cannot renew everything. We cannot just say, okay, let's uh, uh, remove, switch off all the systems that we had and build something new from, from the ground up. There's, there's simply no way. So you need to build something new while older applications are running. And that event-driven model gives you a lot of flexibility to, uh, to, to connect to the uh, current state of, of those systems. Um, and, and update it as events happen, et cetera. So that, yeah, that's a very, um, it's a very powerful uh, model, um, especially when you need to renew mm -hmm. uh, parts of, uh, of, of, of a system. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And actually, the, um, what you mentioned right now reminded me of um, a couple of the things that uh, they talked about in another article that was published by Forrester. And they were talking about the mistakes and also the best practices of using a vendor-driven architecture. And one of the mistakes that they were talking about was um, over-rotating and making events your domain programming model uh, to the exclusion of others, right? What example that you just mentioned about this, uh, this medical technology and having it communicate with other services that maybe we're not necessarily using the same technology or same event or uh, architecture is actually very interesting. And I was um, reading that and thinking that, okay, so that's great to use event sourcing, right? That's great to use event-driven architecture, but that's not the only technology that maybe you want to use. Maybe you want to extend it. Maybe you have some other monolithic systems that uh, your application has to communicate with. And then, then we're coming to the sort of uh, conversation about messaging and how to handle these messages and APIs and so forth. And one of the other mistakes that they were talking about was equating events with a single technology like Kafka, for instance, and using that as your only way of handling your messages. And in their better practices, they, they were 
talking about this and how you can maybe um, remedy this by using other systems. So tell me a little bit about that. Tell me, maybe you have, I'm sure you have other examples that you can think of. Yeah, and actually, uh, Gardner also mentions it in in, in several articles that um, mm-hmm. um, basically there's there's two things going on in this uh, in this over rotation, right? So one of the problems is we over rotate on technology. So we we see we hear event driven. So uh, we we're given a tool. Uh, basically, we're given a hammer, and now everything looks like a nail. So everything that we see, we just want to use that hammer for. Um, and there's there's always this this um, um, uh, a battle going on like, okay, we've got different technologies that are good at something, but we don't want too many technologies. So if we can find one technology that can do multiple things, let's use that with the risk that we use it for too many things, right? And that's the over-rotation that they warn about. And, and it has to do with the fact that, uh, first of all, we equate certain technologies, and Kafka is an example of that, with, uh, with events. So as soon as we hear events, we look at that technology. There are so many more technologies out there that deal with events in, in different ways that we need to be really careful and conscious about why we pick a certain tool for, um, for this particular type of events. IoT events, for example, are very different from business events in, in a, lot of, a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, but then the other problem is the over-rotating on events itself. Um, so as soon as we see events, and the, and the word event-driven yeah. architecture does not really help. Right? It's, it tells us events drive this architecture. Uh, no. Um, and and there's, a, there's a talk I started doing in, in 2014, I think, and I, I'm still asked to do that talk at conferences, um, which is that the, the, the messaging is essentially uh, not only events, right? Messaging is not the same as, as doing events. Um, um, in Axon, uh, you can clearly see that we uh, we like commands and queries as much as events, and they're just different communication style. It's not so much about the exactly. the fact that um, uh, you need um, you need to be a command or a query or an event. But Gardner, for example, also warns that don't use event driven all over the place. There's still a case um, within event driven systems for. Uh, um, what they call remote procedure calls, essentially request reply communication. In our case, we distinguish between commands and events in that style of communication because, um, well, there's optimization uh, differences and it's also more clear. Do you expect another system to do something for you or are you just asking a question, right? There are significant uh, differences, but they are both uh, request reply style uh, communication. And uh, we've noticed that if you are aware of that and, and and don't see event driven and message driven as the same thing and i think there's more power in message driven than in event driven um, that uh, that you build better systems um, but still there's some something special about events um, and um, um, so the I'm not going to start a fight against the term event-driven because there is something more to events than uh, than the other types of messages <laughs> still, right? There's uh, Because event-driven, when it comes to technology, we have to be message-driven. But when we are about uh, on, the, on the business mm-hmm. level, we need to be very conscious of all the events that are happening there. Um, and uh, yeah, so event-driven, uh, I, I like event-driven systems, um, but I think the architecture itself should be event-driven, uh, message-driven, sorry. 
Absolutely. So going back to, um, I, I love that you um, mentioned the businesses again. So going back to really looking at uh, not the technology itself, but the more high level business side of it. One of the things that Gardner was also mentioning about the benefits of using this uh, type of uh, designing the systems is that uh, it can actually give businesses a rapid growth because we are enabling digital business transformation. And they're also mentioning the capitalizing business moments and agility. And how are we, though, using this sort of uh, architecture, this sort of design to modernize the system? So obviously, we're talking about smaller batches, maybe doing things at uh, a more rapid base. We're not deploying things once a year, right? You have smaller bites that you can take. But can you give me a little bit more examples or benefits or of context. it. Yeah. So, so one of the things that these papers, context, uh, yes. exactly. So, so one of the things these papers mention is that events give you situational awareness. Um, and, and that's a very important aspect, right? To, to do, to do great business, you need to be aware of your surroundings. You need to know what happens and then respond to what happens in that, uh, in such an environment accordingly. In a so the opposite of an event-driven business is a batch-oriented business. Um, one example of that is payrolling, right? Payrolling is typically something that happens. You do your payroll batch, your monthly batch, or your weekly whatsoever. So there's very uh, little situational awareness. Um, uh, but I'm pretty sure we can imagine a more event-driven payrolling. Like, hey, I need to pay my bill. Okay, here's your here's your salary right now. Uh, that would be an interesting uh, thought experiment. Um, but if we translate that to to businesses, then if you if you have events like an, an events is is basically something that happens naturally, right? In businesses, people work, and as people work, things happen. Uh, we have customers; they interact with the business, and as they interact, things happen. And it's about being able to capture the things that happen and process them preferably in real time within your within your system because the closer you are to real time the better the picture you can create around what is going on right now at the in, uh, at the moment and generate um, new behavior out of that and and there's one one example and I've, I've used it a couple of times um, which is the uh, there's a presentation from uh, from uh, Toyota which is on our uh, on our YouTube channel as well. And um, the, the presentation has a technical part and a, um, uh, a non-technical part, right? And uh, we'll, we'll leave the technical part for, for what it is, but the non-technical part drives some, some interesting um, uh, information, which is around uh, when you purchase a car, um, there's, a, um, there's a big level of excitement within customers, right? You're, you're buying a car that is uh, one of the, the bigger deals you do in life. It's not as big as a house, but uh, you don't buy that many cars in your in your life. At least most people don't. Um, but then when you've bought your car, uh, until the time of delivery, there's a huge gap. And there's a massive disappointment gap, right? It is, it is silent. So you go from this high level of excitement to nothing. And then suddenly a month or two months later or something, your car arrives, and now you're going back into excitement mode. And, and at Toyota, they were um, sensing that they could, well, capitalize, but not in a capital uh, capitalistic way, but they could do something with that moment of, um, you know, the, the brand association is completely gone. People don't feel happy about their Toyota at that moment, right? 
So what they decided to do is instead of sending an e a monthly newsletter to those people that have bought a car and say, hey, are you excited as well? No, I'm not, right? Um, so they, they, they didn't read those emails. Uh, their open rate was less than 1%. And they changed that to an event-driven model. And, and this is just the marketing side of a production organization, right? Um, and they, instead of uh, sending a monthly newsletter, they decided to send you an email when your car was at a specific stage in the factory. And, uh, and I've heard stories, I don't know if they actually did that, but they had some ideas of taking a picture of your car as the robots were assembling it, right? And, and that made it very personal. So they started sending out emails about the production of your car, like, hey, it's being produced in that factory right now. And oh, yeah, here's some other information that you might be interested in. And suddenly the open rate was several uh, dozens of percents. So people were engaged and they actually got upsell from, uh, from that because you can still buy the air conditioning now. We can still fit it in while we're building your car, right? And I think that is a great example of of what event-driven means on a business level. We're not talking about technology here. We're just talking about um, responding to moments where, uh, where a customer or there's something that there's a customer interaction or there's an interaction within a business that is relevant to the customer and engaging with that customer right away. That drives so much more value. Absolutely. And I think what you mentioned uh, is really valuable to, to note in businesses because um, they also talk about this, um, the, the customer engagement and what, as you mentioned, why it's so critical. And they even talk about the, um, the fact that we want to have more empathetic customer and employee services, right? And this allows us to really experience that. And what you uh, mentioned about the, uh, the car factory and your car is being ordered and now it's at this station and this is at this level, I actually personally experienced that not not with toyota but with another company as i was purchasing a car um a couple of months ago and it was not um it was not here in in their inventory and they had to order it and it took like you said it took uh, several weeks and there were a lot of down times and there were a lot of times for us to feel like oh great how much longer are we waiting for this car to arrive or is it gonna ever get here or what what stage are we at and Every once in a while, we get text messages about, hey, your car at, is at like so-and-so port or uh, it's at this stage, it's on the ship or you know, what have you. And when you see that, it, as you mentioned, it gets you excited. It gets you to feel like, yeah, okay, we're getting to the, to the finish line. And it's a really good experience uh, for, for the customer as, as a person who is you know, spending money on this car and you want to see results. And that's really valuable. Another example I thought about was that... Um, I don't know if it's exactly relevant, but we had a subscription with um, the local zoo a couple of years back. And when we went to purchase this, um, the annual pass, we weren't purchasing it, say, on January 1st. We were getting it middle of the year, sometime in June or July. When we went there, they said, OK, so this is what the annual pass costs for everybody. And we said, OK, sure. This is, this is the money for the pass. And how long is it going to be? Oh, it renews every January. So for me as a customer, I felt like, oh, wait a minute. I'm paying for the entire year, but I'm only getting half of the year. Um, exactly. Anyways, the amount wasn't as much that I wanted to argue about it. Now, fast forward a couple of years because we were out of country and then we came back and I wanted to take the kids to the zoo again. And 
I had the same idea. I was like, oh, great. Now it's June, July again. We're going to get this pass and pay for the whole year. And it's going to renew again in January. To my great surprise and pleasure, we went there and they said, no, no, actually the system has changed. So it renews on the date that you purchased. So now it's more personalized. It's based on what date I purchased this annual pass. So it renews again next June. It renews on the same day that I bought it. And it was fabulous as an experience, as, as a customer experiencing this. I said, this is good. This, we're, we're exactly. But if you, the, if you look at right what you what you need to do as an organization in those two examples, there's also mm-hmm. a big difference. Um, yeah. So in, in the case of the zoo, they, they can still... Um, I mean, the, the, the first situation that you had a few years ago is, is obviously batch oriented, right? On January 1st, we run right. our batch to expire okay. all of the exactly. uh, certificates. But um, it, it, basically, they don't need to do anything because they're, they, they could set an expiry date on the card, right? Um, but yeah. if, you, if you look at the, the car example, it's it interesting to look um, 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 under the bonnet to, uh, sorry, pun intended, to... Um, <laughs> To, to see what an organization needs to do to be able to do that, right? So if you are a, a yeah. batch-oriented uh, system, you'll just have people at different ports and they'll just see a car coming and they know, okay, this car needs to go there. They'll just do that job. That's it. Um, there is yeah. no interaction or uh, event-drivenness. Well, it's event-driven for that person, but the systems aren't, right? It's just, okay, I'm, I'm going to right. enter this car. It's now on that truck on, on its next, uh, on its legs. It's just a notification. Exactly. But if you start building these systems as being event-driven, like, okay, now this happened and we are going to publish that into the organization. And, and this is a very important part where um, the, the maturity of event-driven organizations uh, is, is, uh, is relevant. Um, instead of having these incidental events, um, you need to have events all over the place because you cannot create situational awareness unless you have all events from around you coming in and you can build a picture of what's happening. So as soon as a, a car um, uh, arrives at, uh, at a specific port and is put on a train for, for the next uh, to, to get uh, to your dealership or, or at least a bit closer, then the, the fact that that happens has to go into the organization. And then there, the organization has to be ready to process that in different ways. Um, and events lead uh, are, are very, uh, very powerful at that because you can do a lot of different things with events. There's no a, a request reply style communication is really point to point, right? You're just pointing your finger at somebody and that somebody can do something with the information and the rest can't. Whereas events is more broadcast. Um, so it, it allows you to, to create that situational awareness. And apparently there is a marketing organization or maybe post-sales services organization that says, hey, we can use that information from the ports to inform our customers of where their car is. Because, well, as I said, and as you experienced, yeah. buying a car after the buying part is a boring uh, uh, boring moments, right? And exactly. there's a lot to, uh, to win. And that's, yeah, that's where uh, events are a very powerful means. Not just boring, it's frustrating Absolutely. because, well, if you live in, you know, if you, for example, you live in the States or you live somewhere rural that you absolutely need your car for your basic day-to-day work, um, transportation, just, you know, basic living, it's, yeah, it's, it's a little bit frustrating. But yeah, I actually wanted to ask you this. So I remember up until 
I don't know, a couple of years ago, there were a lot of times that when you would go on a website and um, if it was nighttime or even your daytime, but maybe the, the company's nighttime, wherever they were, you would experience a lot of these downtimes. For instance, you would go to, to a site and it would say, uh, we're doing maintenance right now. The site is down for like three, four hours. And I've noticed that happening a lot less in the past few years. Does that have anything to do with kind of going this direction of microservices and event-driven architecture? Um, I, I would say indirectly, probably. <laughs> um, uh, it, I think it does have something to do with it. It's the same. Um, um, I think there are some of the force, the same forces that drive both, but I don't think they are directly connected, but but rather indirectly. Um, but it has to do with the fact that um, you know to compete, you really have to compete these days, right? If you uh, if you are in a in a business and you've been doing the same business for a hundred mm -hmm. years, big chance some new startup is going to eat yeah. you. Um, they will do something in in such a more interesting way that um, uh, they'll just capture all of your customers, right? You you really have to be. I mean, even in banking, you see it where people are a bit less uh, eager to to go to to one of the newer. Uh, banks, because a lot of people just have a good relationship with right. their bank. Um, but but even there, you see that these uh, new banks are thinking of new ways to deliver oh, products. Absolutely. And now uh, you cannot imagine doing banking uh, anywhere else than on your phone. Yeah. Right? I, I do uh, even the, the banking of, uh, of, of Axonic. I do that on my phone. Right. Um, and um, and it has to do with um, uh, IT not being a, a cost center. Oh, yeah, we also need a homepage kind of uh, thing or, or we need to maintain the internal systems. Now, IT is now um, the first thing. The first interaction with our customers is through uh, software systems. Mm -hmm. And that is a very important driving force that, first of all, led to uh, we should have less downtime uh, because downtimes means uh, loss of business. It's as simple as that. Right. But the other force is uh, for this uh, event-driven approach, uh, which is to lead um, better and more relevant uh, services to our customers. So you can deliver a service, but if you deliver it at a time where it's not relevant, there's no point to it. Yeah. Uh, so it has to be when... Um, so one example, for example, is, is um, um, 50 years ago, you would get a newspaper. Mm -hmm. And so once a day, you would have yesterday's news. Right. Um, today, newspapers are, um, well, they, they still exist. There's still people that love the smell of paper, but you buy it for the smell, not for the I news. I do, I do. <laughs> but if you, it's, it's that nostalgic feeling, right? Exactly. And, and it's the same, you have a relationship with, right, with your bank and with your right. paper. And, and, but if you want to get the actual valuable news, um, you, you go to, you go online. Because that's where you you read things, and that is also our event-driven um, um, mindset. And humans are event-driven, right? We react. We don't do batches. We don't say, "Oh yes, we go. To, we do groceries once uh, once a week, twice a week, whatever." That's still batch-oriented. Um, but uh, most of the things oh, we do that's starting to change too. I feel uh, that, uh, as well, <laughs> yeah. COVID especially, right? Absolutely, we we have much more like delivery and uh, and, and even there. Yeah. Um, so nothing is set in stone. Things will change. But right, right. the the news that we gather is already much more event driven. We want to hear about the news mm -hmm. as it happens. And 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 as right now happening. there's yeah. um, there's a very unfortunate uh, event going on. There's a massive floods in the. Um, yes. 
southeast of the Netherlands. Uh, fortunately, I live in the west, but in our country, and there's um, you, you can imagine if you if you read something and and you can watch the images of something that is happening right now live, it has a much bigger impact than when you hear, oh yeah, last month there was a flood, and here's an article about it. Um, then the, oh, the the feeling and the association and the 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 way you value what's going on is different. Now this is a negative ex example, but you know in in businesses mm -hmm. you can have the exact same examples where um, you know if you if you sell an iPhone 11 nowadays it's like so <laughs> what right? No, we want them as they as they happen. That's when the when the relevance is there. That's when you get the excitement and yeah. the and the the biggest value. And that happens for, for large purchases, but definitely also for, for the small ones. And that's really funny that you actually mentioned the um, the importance of news and as it's happening. And uh, we are so aware these days. And sometimes I feel like overly aware of these things. And um, this morning, actually, I was uh, walking in the kitchen and um, my dad always reads his news on his phone. And he gets them from all sorts of different, different um, re uh, sources. And he was telling me, oh, yeah, what you mentioned uh, also is happening in uh, west side of Germany with the flooding. He said, yeah, did you know there's flooding in Germany? I said, oh, yeah, I, I was assuming because I just spoke to my friends in Germany who live in that region yesterday. And they were telling me there's a lot of rain. So that's not surprising. For him, it was uh, news. It was something that he didn't know about. For me, um, that news came through Twitter a lot faster. So I didn't know how to go to a news channel per se to find out about this. I just figured it out from other ways. So exactly. it's it's fascinating how these things are changing and how our worlds are, are, are changing. And um, especially during COVID, the example that you said about the uh, grocery shopping, we did most of our grocery shopping online and it was once a week sort of batch style, get everything that we need. But we also did a lot of daily purchases through other uh startups that had come up with these smaller transactional grocery stores that you would get your like you run out of milk you get your milk in 10 minutes it was it was insane it was fascinating it's like oh we didn't have this you know two years ago event or last year we, we there, didn't there's have an event in your household which is yeah there's an event milk. in your household which is that they're out of milk that's a negative like event, a and you want to respond to that. And where, um, when is the relevant moment to get milk? It is 10 minutes from right. now, not next exactly. week when we do the next batch of groceries, right? Right, exactly. exactly. And it was, it, the, what you said about the systems and the uh, customer satisfaction and this customer relationship that you're providing with this sort of um, event-driven system is that while that milk was being delivered to my home, I was getting real-time updates this you had a map with the with the, the the bicycle on it it was showing you where this bicycle was like how long it's going to be take to get to your house and it was to the dot it was so amazing it was just to the dot you'd see the bicycle come to your house and my kids would jump behind the window groceries are here and it was like the most exciting event of their day it's just really amazing customer exactly. experience All that. yeah but there's there's another thing you mentioned earlier with the with the mm -hmm. uh, the overflow of information because I think that's also a relevant uh, or a problematic feature of of event driven which is also going back to the over rotation uh, also part of it so one of the challenges that we're going to have is and and we see that when reading the news there's so much news um, yeah. that um, 
you have to you have to know what you care and uh, what you care about and some of the uh, some of the news or in a business environment uh, the uh, the events that may occur you have to be careful to only include those events that really contribute to your situational awareness because you can easily use everything which which has a danger of misinterpretation um, so what if you get an event or oh, the car is in that port? Um, you need to know what it really means. Um, right? It doesn't mean uh, it's, it's available, it's in the country now. No, it still has to go through customs. Um, and uh, right. still something can happen. It can still get damaged somehow, et cetera, et cetera. So you have to be very much aware of what these events mean. And they might not always be described in a language that is yours. Right, so that ubiquitous language and, yep. and bounded context concept from domain-driven design comes into play as well. So, uh, especially when yeah. we, as we go more event-driven, um, especially in the enterprises, you have to be very careful to use the right events at the right moments, not to get those misunderstandings, and it's easy right. to to get lost as well. Exactly. So that's. Uh, and there's there is so many things that I want to talk about. <laughs> When it comes to that, when, when it comes to that personalized experience and especially getting your news, getting your information and, and what's actually important, um, because one of the things that was the hot topic uh, with this uh, previous U.S. election and also the previous uh, one out before that, not to get too in political, but it was the fact that how you were receiving your news and what was your quote unquote personalized news and how it was um, presented to you based on the information that you had presented to the news service that you were using, for instance, or your social media or your contacts. And it's, it's fascinating things, seeing things changing in such a rapid way. And I don't know for sure if they're using um, event-driven systems to, to get this sort of real-time information from people and then give it back to us as uh, the consumers. But it's, I can imagine that at some level it is being used, which is, well, it has which to is be, really yeah. interesting. Yeah, it has to be, uh, be. event-driven in some way. Yeah. But at least the ingredients of building context and, and building a situation around, okay, what is interesting for you? What is the kind of thing you want to hear? And there's pros and cons about this particular example because you only get news that you want to hear, not the news that you need to hear to get a good understanding. Right, uh, not the entire picture. So you yeah. don't get a 360-degree uh, uh, view. You only get the 180 that you seem to care about. So you have to be a bit exactly. careful there. Exactly, it was a but, big controversy. Yeah. yeah, and that was a big controversy because you, as, um, as, as a person who is going to vote, for instance, you want to have what they would say, they would call all of the information. But it's really difficult to get all of that information in, in sort of a neutral way, in a way that you can actually go and make your decision. Because if the information presented to you comes uh, sort of in a package that's more interesting to you based on your interests, as you have put in, in, in your search results or what have you, then that news is really catered to you. And that result is catered to you. Uh, not necessarily to your neighbor, for instance. Your neighbor might get a different version of the news, for instance. But yep, that's a huge topic that um, yeah, we're not going to get into right now. But I do want to talk about something that you mentioned earlier, which was the mindset. And one of our colleagues, uh, Sarah Pellegrini, had a talk uh, a couple of months ago, or last month, I think, was it, um, at DDD Exchange about this particular thing, which is changing the mindset. And why is it important to change the mindset of not your IT 
uh, department, for example, your engineers, your architects, uh, your designers, but also the mindset of the business side. You have an experience, I'm sure, having started your own company and also being a, 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 a CTO of another company previously. How did you get the management on board that, hey, this is a good route. This is the, the path that we should take. Yeah. So it actually has to start with them, right? Otherwise, um, I mean... Uh, Otherwise, there's no funding exactly. for anything else. I mean, no, there, there has okay. to be business purpose for it. And, and yes, you exactly. can... Um, and that is, a, that is a big danger that has been going on for, for a little bit already is um, development teams that went event-driven, and that's really great. But then you land a little piece of event-driven in, in an organization that's not. Now, on a technical level, that will work fine because I said earlier, there's lots of integration options and, and it will work. You will get that uh, event-driven part to work, but it will not drive value. Right? It will not give you the, the business value that really, um, um, well, you just get less bang for your buck. That's, I mean, there's, there's not, not, not much more I can say about that. But when you take event-driven from... The, in the entire organization. So not just the, the technical stuff, but also in the way software is designed and also in the way it interacts uh, with other components. And then it integrates in an event-driven way with other systems, um, and making it a broader implementation. Um, that's where you get the real value of, of event-driven. And that's where a, a customers' experiences are impacted as well. Uh, so in the in the Toyota example that I mentioned, it was the idea of marketing to do that, but they used the events from the factory, so they needed the events from that part. Um, but if if they had didn't have an event driven approach there, it it was pointless. You would still have you know a batch information from the factory, and then once a month you can say, yeah, somewhere last month we started producing your car. Well, that's not relevant anymore, right? It's so um, it, it has to go through the entire organization. You have to make sure that um, um, the, the, um, the events as they happen in your business are reflected in your software. So it, it brings a very tight um, cooperation between IT and business. And, and, and this is something we've seen at Exonic a lot in our, in our customers, that um, becoming event-driven forces developers um, to to understand what's going on in the, in the in the business, it brings them closer together, and that way the business starts to see the advantage of event driven and, and gets uh, uh, gets alignment. If this is brought from a uh, CTO CIO, and, and we see that more and more as Gardner predicted, or maybe even because Gardner predicted, um, then um, then it gets more, um, it gets higher on the agenda. That this is something we need to do. So at least for the next systems that we're going to uh, to, to build or rebuild or, or, or change, we are going to um, uh, go for a system that um, is either built or, or purchased and allows a uh, an event-driven model. That at least we can subscribe to things as they happen that can notify us. Um, because that's the that's the only relevant moment that we have uh, to uh, to react on it. But it, it starts with uh, having a vision of how can we improve uh, our our services to the customer. Uh, and giving banks as an example, why is there so many new startups? Because they see new ways. Uh, the grocery stores, right? They see new ways of getting groceries to people, um, and 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 that starts with a vision. 
uh, and it has to come from uh, from from sea level. Otherwise, a vision will uh, will not get very uh, very far. And um, in one of the talks that I had with um, another guest, Andy Whitaker, and uh, he actually has a case study, and he did a talk for us last uh, year uh, at our conference, which was the process of him basically convincing the government, because uh, he at the time he worked for the state of Indiana, to actually get on board with what his vision was, which was basically uh, driving the uh, organization and their IT systems into a more event sourcing and uh, event-driven architecture. And his story is so fascinating because as, as we know, I think in all countries, governments are very slow at uh, changing their ways and at accepting uh, big leaps into becoming more modernized and more uh, advanced. And his case was very, very interesting because they showed by um, practically how they could shorten this amount of time for uh, delivering uh, a result from maybe taking a year to taking just a couple of months. And they, they had used Axon Framework for, for their systems. And it's, it's a really fascinating uh, experience and talk. I highly recommend uh, folks to listen to it. But in order to do that, in order to uh, get the business side on board, we also have to talk about a little bit of the uh, cultural practices that have to happen within organizations. And I've had several talks with other guests, uh, such as uh, Kenny and his uh, his colleague Evelyn, uh, as well as Rebecca Wurzbrox, about the, the language, the culture, the, the amount of conflicts that can happen when you're changing your systems. The, the patterns that you're using, your personal beliefs, heuristics, and all of that. And I think that's also really important to, to pay attention to because anytime you want to make a change in an organization, as I'm sure you have much more experience than, than I would in this case, that you do have to overcome some, you know, um, how do I put it? Some bumps yeah, on the road, right? Roadblocks. I mean, I've, yeah. I've done consultancy um, 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 gigs or what do you call them, where uh, I, I, I talked to a bunch of uh, technical uh, folks and they, they loved event-driven and then you, you got them really excited and then you leave uh, and then they implement uh, it and only get halfway. Um, and because halfway, there's, uh, there's the business and then there, the new requirements come in and they... They are described in a very um, batchful approach, let's say, or state-driven approach, right? And that's very, very common um, because we, and we, we uh, technical folks, have to uh, blame ourselves for that because we have been educating them to write their stories like that because we build stuff on top of databases, right? We've been doing that since the uh, 70s, 80s, maybe even uh, before, um, but... Um, and so they've adapted their, their way of investigating what to build that way. But now um, we, we are getting much more uh, with event-driven systems. We get much more closer to how things actually happen in a business. Um, and that also means that uh, business analysts or, or whatever they're called, uh, requirements analysts, uh, etc., they also need to uh, to change the way in, the, in how they describe software. Otherwise, uh, developers are just on, on their island. Uh, so we have to get off that island. Um, somebody has to leave it. Otherwise, we can't get together. 
um, and um, and and uh, I think everybody has to leave uh, leave their little island and and start working together, and it brings people really closer to uh, together. Yeah, and I think that's one of the really interesting things about um, what we um, actually what I came across uh, last year, which was uh, the the concept of modeling your events, um, you know, event modeling and event storming, because those concepts really bring the entire organization in the same room uh, in a way and allows different departments and different parts of the organization to come together and make a decision for where you want your systems to basically go, where you want your business to go. Because as we talked about earlier, domain-driven design is really based on business domain. We're not talking about any other domain. And that's why we want to have everybody in that in that same room basically discussing it. And of course, there are times that there are conflicts and that's where consultants come in handy and they, they can sort of smooth these bumps and uh, pave the road a little bit. But what is interesting also that you mentioned about ubiquitous language also is that you have to have this kind of same language within different organizations so that everybody's on board. Now, not necessarily, you don't have to have all of the technical languages within different IT teams uh, handed over to the business side or vice versa. And you're all like, I have no idea what you're talking about. But there has to be some sort of common language so that we can all be sort of on the same level and grow together. Yeah, that, so that, that's something that um, event storming and, uh, and event modeling as well, to, to some extent, they, they achieve very well because they, they both start with modeling based on events. Um, and, but there's another aspect that's really important and powerful is um, I remember having design sessions and you would ask a fellow architect and you would have an argument or uh, you would decide on which is the best way to implement something, right? Which is the more powerful way. Um, but that's an argument, right? You can talk and you, you basically you can, uh, you can claim why a certain solution is better. But what both event storming and event modeling do, uh, even though they're very distinct strategies or distinct approaches, they both start with events. And events, you cannot argue about yeah, them. Yeah, because they've happened. Right? Something either happens or History. it doesn't. It's, it's really yeah. that simple, right? There's no... There's no uh, so it's more about discovery. Um, and and this is what they uh, the, what they would call emergent design, right? It's not a design that uh, that is created because two humans had a fight about what's best and uh, the the big mouth uh, won, so we, we take that approach. Um, but rather, no, we've 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 talked and we did a discovery with a group of people that knows what's actually happening in the business. There were some uh, some technical folks. Uh, Alberto Brandolini also always says you need two types of people in your sessions: people with questions and people with answers. IT people are the people with the questions this time. We are not the one with the answer. We want to start understanding what happens in the business so that we can build a system to support that, and not the other way around. It has been uh, the other way around for too long, where people would have to, or we would have all the answers. We know what we need. We need a database uh, with a little layer of software on top so that we can store everything. And then we provide that data and you figure out what you want to do with it. Uh, no, it's the other way around. We, we need to understand the business and work that way. And, uh, and what you'll find is that describing some, some uh, a business process in terms of things that happen, in other words, events, is so much more natural. And then why not take the next step and do the actual implementation of the system according to that strategy as well? 
you'll find, and, and this is something that uh, some of our customers will, will definitely uh, um, reinforce, is that it is, it is such a natural approach. You just ease into it. And yes, the first time it's a bit awkward, but once you've done it, you will not want to go back to the old style of uh, translation to to state driven. Oh yeah, oh that that happens. Yeah, then this is a there's a little uh, flag in the database now. Uh, that means it happened, right? No, if if there if it happened, just store the fact that it happened, right? And 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 have that pr- uh, flow through the uh, flow through the system. And one of the things that. Um... Forrester actually mentioned about the best practices of using vendor-driven architecture in businesses was that to look at it as a future strategic move and not as your first step. And what you mentioned uh, was was very um, sort of, I think, related to that same point because we don't want to basically wipe everything out from what you've already done in the business uh, in terms of both the business side and also the IT side. If, if you have a monolithic system, for instance, you don't want to go demolish that and start everything from the beginning. But And that's one of the things that we usually recommend too when we do um, trainings. We always say, well, start with a monolithic system and then build on that. And then when the need arises, then you can extract from your monolith, monolith and make it into more microservices and then basically grow that way. But there's a di- big difference between one monolith and another. And most monoliths that we've built are are built in a very, um, let's say, request response style communication, very tightly coupled. Um, and and I think the, um, the well, I don't think, the, the way we suggest people to, or recommend people to, uh, to implement systems is includes that that message driven approach um, with with very clear messaging uh, between components, and then it doesn't really matter how you deploy these components, so they can still be monoliths because there's advantages to monoliths uh, uh, over uh, over microservices. And in the end, uh, again, you know, taking it uh, from uh, looking at it from a business perspective, we want to provide a certain amount of value, and we want to get that value to the market as quickly as we can. And a lot of our um, um, issues uh, around microservices arise from the fact that we're so, well, let's use the word over-rotating again, uh, over-rotating on microservices. I've literally heard people say, I I don't know what my next project is, but it's going to run on Kubernetes. Oh, right. that okay. doesn't make sense, right? You can only you can only really know what you want to build once uh, once you know what you're being asked for. So if, yeah. if if you can deliver that with a monolith, that is so much simpler to do and so much faster. So get to market first. But what you really don't want to do is go so fast that you paint yourself in a corner. Um, and and that is the unfortunate reality of of a lot of monolithic deployments that uh, especially in the uh, layered art and layered architecture style mm-hmm. um, yeah. they they get soldered onto each other right um, and soldered uh, onto each other yeah. um, so that it, it becomes hard to to decompose it later on but um, you can and it's not difficult to do using uh, the the right technology. Um, to um, to build these um, yeah, modular uh, monoliths, yeah. um, uh, some some people uh, from from SpringSource, uh, Oliver uh, Drodbom, he calls it moduliths, yeah. uh, and I like that term, right? It's modular monoliths. It's it's still monolithic. Monoliths aren't bad things, but right. um, we've built bad monoliths in the past, and we we have that association. But you can build event driven monoliths, um, and um, 
that gives you the advantage of short time to market, but still the possibility later on to to adapt and and scale. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's one of the things that uh, we always uh, emphasize on, which is designing your monolith, but with really good APIs. Exactly. It's, it starts with APIs, but it never ends there, right? Uh, you can, <laughs> never uh, ends yeah. there, absolutely. And so we, we talked about most of the things that um, uh, I had and, and then some, because I had some questions pop up later on. But I did want to ask you, we earlier talked about uh, using single technologies. And a lot of times when people think about, uh, for instance, message-driven architecture, they think about a Kafka that would be the first thing that may pop up in their head. But that's not um, that's not the only technology you should be using, preferably, right? Because uh, other needs may arise that Kafka may not be able to uh, to cater to those needs. Are there other technologies that you can recommend? Do do we have a solution? Is there a mother of all technologies that we can um, we can use? Yeah, it would be nice to have this one uh, one solution uh, mm-hmm. fits all. Um, no, I would, I, I would always start with the the conceptual side first. Um, so what I um, what, what I've learned in the last uh, ten years is um, focusing on on the messaging between components and the thinking about is it really an event that I'm submitting or, or that I'm uh, emitting, or am I asking a, a particular question? Am I expecting a response? Like if you're emitting a, a, an event and expecting a response. It's it's one of these. Um, but I, I always joke that you know event driven can't be uh, can't be everything, uh, and you can try this at home. There's a little experiment that you can do at home. Now, go into the living room, and everything you say is in past tense and contains one noun and a verb. Right. Um, so if you're, um, you can ask. Um, so I, I could ask my my wife, you know, could you, uh, if she's in the kitchen, oh, could you bring me uh, a drink from the from the fridge if you're coming this way, right? That would be a friendly way to ask for sure. something. Um, an event-driven way would be, I am thirsty. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that the that's not going to get you um, any drinks. <laughs> environment at home would would be become awkward. It will not get me anything, right? Um, so and in, in systems, it will work the same way. It will just get awkward. Mm-hmm. And, and, and then it's like, oh, yeah, this system is shouting something and, and hoping for a response. Where does that response come from? And, and what happens if it doesn't, etc.? So it is better in that case to be explicit in the type of messaging that you expect. Mm-hmm. And this is a very uh, strong recommendation that I, I give. Start with that. Start thinking about what is the ideal form of messaging. Yeah. And then technology comes second. Um, and, and Kafka is really good at processing events. Um, um, it's, it's, not a, uh, it's not a command bus. It's not a query bus. It's an event yep. streaming um, a platform. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of uh, power that, uh, that it brings in terms of processing and all of that. But it is not the only thing we need. We still need um, databases to, to ask our questions, to, to give us information that that situational awareness cannot be an event stream, right? Yep. We, um, if if we want, if you're going shopping, let's take the shopping example again. You want to know what your balance is on your bank account yep. uh, to know whether you can or should buy a particular a range of products. Two extra boxes or, of chocolate, um, you mean? So okay. you want situational awareness, <laughs> exactly. Um, do I buy the whole box or just one? <laughs> um, 
So the uh, you, you need that situational awareness. Mm -hmm. uh, do you get situational awareness from looking at all of the bank statements of last month? No, no that's the event stream. Right. But in this case, you don't want the entire event stream. You need a specific value. You need a, a specific what we call projection of of those events, which is my current balance. Mm -hmm. That's the information I need. So we also need to include good old school database technology to um, uh, to give us that instant situational awareness. Um, so that that's some some parts that I would uh, that that always need to be included. Uh, starting with the, the the messaging, like okay, I have a, I have a question. A component has a question. Uh, that's great. Uh, ask a, another component uh, to to build you that situational awareness in an efficient way. Um, and um, yeah, obviously, what we do at Exonic is is really focused mm -hmm. on on that. So uh, we're 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 building this uh, this software that supports these different styles of messages. Is that a full replacement of Kafka? Yeah. Absolutely not, right? There's, there's, we, we've had some people say, yeah, we're debating whether we should use Axon or Kafka. And then the thing is actually, that means you don't really understand the problem you're solving yet. So let us help you with that. And let's see what kind of problem you have. Do you have an event streaming problem? Uh, you know, then um, an event processing and all of that, then, then, then it's Kafka. But if you have a messaging and you need uh, components to communicate through these commands and different uh, commands, events, and, uh, and queries. These different types of messages um, that, um, in, in that case, well, Axon could do a lot of magic. Uh, can can mean more for you in in that. Yeah, exactly. And the very last thing I wanted to ask you um, in that same Forrester article that uh, they were talking about the best practices. Um, one of the final points that they're making was that use the uh, quality of service and context to determine whether an event source or sync. So we did talk a bit about this, but um, can we? Can you give me um, maybe as a short example of would this be how, how could we ensure that an event really doesn't sync? Is it going back to the design again? Well, yeah, this is about the, the, the direction of communication um, or um, and um, I, I think I would. Uh, I don't have the full context of where this sentence came from. It's always a bit, you know, the the, mm -hmm. the communication style in those um, um, articles is often quite abstract. Uh, <laughs> um, let's say fluffy, uh, sometimes abstract. Yeah, um, but um, you know, a quality of service has always been a, a challenge in, uh, in in messaging. Right there, there is this this joke that uh, there is. Um, there's there's two problems in uh, in messaging. Uh, problem number two is um, single message delivery mm -hmm. or single delivery. Uh, sorry, exactly once delivery. Mm -hmm. Problem number two, one, number one is message ordering, uh -huh. and problem number two is uh, exactly once delivery. Right. So mm -hmm. the um, but but those problems are less of an issue nowadays because the style of communication that we use um, so both kafka and axon by the way uh, use the same style which is more of a store and forward so you build an event stream mm -hmm. rather than a, a queue based uh, system where you take a message off the queue you now store them in um, well you can still call it a queue but we store it in a stream mm -hmm. and you consume messages in that stream at your own pace you're not dependent on others taking messages off and then failing to transact to 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 handle it now they have to put it back but maybe putting it back fails 
So now you, you've lost a message, right? And and those problems have been uh, have been addressed pretty well. So it is something to um, to become aware of, to be aware of. But there is already a range of technologies that you can use that that don't have that problem. Um, so I'm not sure if that is exactly what they're uh, what they're alluding to uh, in the uh, um, in the articles. But you have to be aware of um, of that problem and make sure that okay, there are some delivery guarantees that we uh, we have, and we need to uh, to choose a technology to address it. And I guess again, it, it comes down Did to. Understanding yeah. your problem and then choosing yeah. a technology to help exactly. you solve it. Yeah. Exactly. Fantastic. Wow. Um, we covered a lot, which is awesome. It's always really nice talking to you, Alort, because um, I, of course, have questions ahead of time, but then talking to you just brings up more questions and more topics to talk about. And you magically address all of them. Well, not magically, but skillfully, <laughs> I should say, address all of them in, in a very, very... Thank you. Um, yeah practical way, which is fantastic. So I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with me today and I wish you a fantastic rest of the day. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me again and uh, good luck yeah. with the rest of your third season. <laughs> Thank you so much. I hope to have you back again. Until then, have a great day. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. I really hope you enjoyed my talk with Allard. Please join me next time as I talk about other fascinating and important topics. Until then, have a great time and happy coding.